So we started this series uh, at four weeks ago, the beginning of October, and this is going to be a little bit shorter tonight. Um, uh, so we started this series four weeks ago, the beginning of October, called Light versus Dark. And, and the main purpose of this series has simply been this. We are engaged in a battle. We are engaged in this battle that is fighting for us. And there is a light side and there is a dark side, and we are being pulled both directions. And the, the very reality is, is that there is God that wants to give us life, and there is Satan and ah, his demons and this world that wants to give us death. And it's this struggle and it's this battle that we go through. And so all, four weeks ago, we talked about this idea that, that because Satan came from heaven, there is darkness. And at times that darkness can overtake our lives. And when darkness overtakes our lives, you guys have felt this before. Maybe it's addiction. Maybe it's depression. Maybe it's a, a family member passing away or parents getting divorced or a relationship falling apart or a friend stabbing you in the back. This darkness that comes over and, and begins to take you over. Here's what I encouraged you to do four weeks ago. And I've mentioned this every week because I think it's so important and so vital. Here it is. When darkness starts to take you over, do these three things. One, be honest with God. God is big enough to handle your emotions, your anger, your fear, whatever you're experiencing. Be honest with God. Two, talk about it with a trusted adult. Some of the most difficult moments in my life, because I have had trusted people in my life that I can talk to honestly, has helped me through it. And three, don't be afraid to ask for professional help. Don't be afraid to ask for professional help. I've, I've had professional help in my own life, and it has been absolutely incredible. So when we feel that darkness start to come in, please be willing to do those three things. And then three weeks ago, that we, found, we talked about how this idea that the light entered the world, and the light gives us hope. And it's, it's the light of Jesus that in the midst of dark times gives us this hope. And here's the deal. Light changes everything. And I know this may sound like an oxymoron because I just said light changes everything, but our circumstances may not change. And people in our lives still may get sick. Friends still may turn their backs on us. Our circumstances may not change, but when we have the light of Jesus in our lives, the perception and the unexplainable peace in the midst of those circumstances changes everything. And I, I have shared with you guys this month some moments of darkness in my own life, and I can attest that in, in my darkest moments, the peace of God and the light of God has changed everything, even when my circumstances may not have changed. And then two weeks ago, uh, we, took, we took a break last week, but, but two weeks ago, we simply said there's a battle going on. And we have to be aware that there's a battle, because if we are unaware that there's even a battle going on, then we're going to get caught off guard and we're not going to be able to endure it to the best of our ability. And so we, I, last week, I just wanted you to be aware that there's a battle going on. And so here's the big question this week. How do we endure the battle? Like practically, realistically, what are some really practical ways that we can endure the battle? And first thing we have to understand about this goes all the way back to Ephesians chapter 6. We landed here last week. Ephesians six twelve says this, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the, not a, uh, cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Here, here's the deal. 
First thing that we have to understand when we talk about fighting this battle, when we talk about this idea that light and darkness are pulling for our souls and pulling for everybody else's souls, we have to understand we're not fighting other people. But let's get real practical real quick. We are not fighting other people. The people that turn your back on you, you're not fighting them. It's political season. Guess what? You're not fighting Democrats. You're not fighting Republicans. You are not fighting the people that stand up against Jesus because here's the truth. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. Jesus came and died for you and Jesus came and died for that person that is bashing him right now. And we're going to dive more into this, but we have to understand because so often here's what we think. If we can win the right fights against people, we think that everything's going to change. And Paul says, we're not even supposed to be fighting against people. Fighting against people doesn't change anything. We are fighting against something bigger and stronger and more powerful than people. And so the very first practical thing we have to understand, if we're going to step into this fight, if we are going to endure it until the very end, we have to understand it's not against people. We've got to stop talking about people. We've got to stop uh, making uh, the argument against other people. It's got to be about something bigger, something greater, something more powerful. And so uh, how do we do this? And, And so we're just going to dive into the following verses Uh, in Ephesians chapter 6, and I'm going to do this real fast, Um, because Paul gives us some really practical ways that we can fight this battle and we can endure this battle until the very end. Ephesians chapter 6, he says this, starting in verse 13, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand firm. Paul is saying, if you want to fight this battle, we've got to put on some armor. And again, Remember what Paul said, our battle is not against flesh and blood. So often when we think battle, we think we're going to go out swinging. We're going to knock some people out. We're going to make some heads roll. But Paul immediately says, it's, it's all about defensiveness. Put on the full armor of God. Now, Ephesians six fourteen says this, Stand, therefore, having fastened the belt of truth around your waist, If you are going into battle, in biblical times, the people would have worn something not exactly like this, because this is just a bed sheet with a hole in it, Um, but they would have worn some long garments like this. Now, let me ask you a question. How well are you going to be able to run and move and fight in a garment that goes down to your ankles? Not real well, right? And so he says, put on the belt of truth. In those days, how many of you have... Check, check, sweet. Um, all right, so you're not going to be able to fight this, this battle very well uh, if you're in clothing like this. And so how many of you have heard the phrase, gird your loins? Anybody? All right, some of you. In preparing for battles, you've heard, gird your loins, get ready. Okay, so that had a very practical implication in uh, biblical times or in ancient times. So I, I got this belt. I actually got this belt from Haiti. Um, And so what they would do, this was a very serious thing. They would take a belt and they would pull everything up and they would put this belt around them like so, but they would do it. Let me get it on here. Oh, dang. 
See, I'm trying to hurry, and it's going, making me actually go slower. Slow is smooth, and smooth is fast. That's what I always say. So they would put on a belt, um, but they would do it in such a way, it's not going to work, that they would pull everything up like so. All right, now, how well are you going to be able to move like this? Pretty well. You've got a lot of freedom, right? You can move, you can stretch, you can bend, you can dodge, you can, you can fight in a battle like this, you can evade the enemy. And if you are going to gird your loins, you are ready to go, and there's a lot more freedom. Now, listen to what he says. He says, There is the belt. He says, Put on the belt of truth. My microphone is in the way. Put on the belt of of truth. You see, truth brings freedom. The belt would bring freedom to the people that were trying to fight. And if we can bring freedom in our own lives and we can know the truth about ourselves, we are going to have freedom. You see, when we know the truth about ourselves, we know that when someone comes at us, we know who we are. We know who God says that we are. See, here's the truth about you. The truth about you is that you are loved. The truth about you is that God thought you were valuable enough to die for. The truth about you is that God has this incredible plan and incredible purpose for your life. He's got, he's got stuff he wants to do in and through you. And when we know that truth, there's this freedom that starts to come. And when Satan fires at us, we can say, no, I know the truth about myself. I know who I am. I know that I'm loved. I know that I'm cared for. I know I've got a purpose. I know that I am here for a reason. And I've got this freedom. I don't have to worry about what anybody else says. I don't have to worry about what my own mind feeds me when Satan tries to lie to me. I know the truth about myself. And so we put on this belt of truth. And this belt of truth brings freedom. Brings freedom. All right? So, again, remember, when we are fighting this battle, it starts defensively. It starts all about ourselves. The next thing that he says is, having fastened the belt of truth, put on the breastplate of righteousness. So the, the best thing that I had was this. When um, these are like paper scrubs, um, when Clark was three and a half weeks from being born, her heart dropped, heart rate dropped, almost stopped beating. So we had to go into like an emergency C-section. And it was terrifying, absolutely terrifying. And, and I remember they gave me this blue kind of scrubs, kind of cloak type thing to, to walk into the room to see her for, for her protection and for my protection. And I just remember my heart just breaking like I wasn't sure what was going to happen with Clark. I wasn't sure what was going to happen with Kirsten. I wasn't sure about, about anything. And when we put on the the breastplate of righteousness, we are guarding our hearts. We're guarding the center of who we are. We are protecting the very thing that needs protected most. 
And you guys, in, in the Proverbs, it says, above all else, guard your hearts because everything you do flows from your hearts. Everything you do, everything that you are flows from your hearts. And so we've got to make sure we are protecting ourselves with righteousness, that we are being cautious about what we allow into our hearts. We are being cautious about the things, the media that we take in. We are being cautious uh, about the lies that we are believing about ourselves, that we are telling ourselves the truth real quickly. This week, I had a really rough morning one morning. And I remember, uh, guys, I'll just be honest with you. uh, I was lying in my bed and I was crying because I was just really upset. I I just had a really rough morning. And and Kirsten laid down next to me and she says, listen, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a few minutes and I want you to start telling yourself the truth about who you are. You see, I wasn't guarding my heart in that moment and I was allowing myself to believe all kinds of things about me that weren't true. And we need to put on the breastplate of righteousness, that we believe the things that are true about us with the belt and that we protect ourselves. We protect ourselves from from our own minds, from our media, and and we, we know and we protect our hearts because everything we do flows from them. Next one. Is this Ephesians six fifteen? It says this: After we put on the breastplate of righteousness, we put shoes on our feet. I brought two pairs of shoes with me today. Uh, one are the shoes that I'm wearing; they're relatively new. And one are these guys. These are the shoes that I wore the longest that I have ever worn a pair of shoes. And uh, I was pretty proud of it at the at the time because I I thought it was cool. I'd actually worn a hole through my shoes. I don't know why I thought that was cool, but I thought it was kind of cool. Um, and so the, the thing with shoes is I remember thinking these shoes are working out for me okay. I'm, I'm not like slipping. I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not hurting myself. They're covering my feet. They're working out for me okay. Um, but I remember when I got new shoes and the foundation that I felt. The foundation that I felt with new shoes was Unbelievable. No longer was I occasionally tripping over the sole that was coming off. No longer did I have this flatness here, but the high part of the heel. There was a foundation. And and when you put on shoes going into the battle, it gives this incredible foundation for who you are. And and he says, uh, put on shoes with the readiness of the gospel of peace. You see, when we run into battle, again, it's not a thing where we're running and swinging. It's a thing where we are running to people that agree with us, that disagree with us, that love us, that hate us. We run to them. We run to them with peace. With peace. See, how do we endure this battle that's raging this battle of light and darkness that's ripping our society, ripping people apart. How do we endure it? Here, here's the first three really practical ways. You know the truth about yourself. You put on the belt of truth. You put on the breastplate of righteousness and you protect your heart against everything else. And you have a firm foundation of the gospel and you go to everyone with peace. We don't come out swinging. We don't try to attack people. We don't go after people. We come with a gospel, this peace. Jesus' love extends to everyone. And and we'll we'll continue here. Um, 
And, and so uh, 6, 14 through 16, um, after you put on the gospel of peace, it says, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can ex- extinguish the flaming darts of the enemy. And so you've got your shield. This is Brinkley's shield from one of his Halloween costumes back when he was Martimus the Mouse. And so you take your shield. Now, this shield is probably not going to protect me a whole lot, but the shields that they were talking about were shields that would stand this tall and they were covered with, with uh, leather that was wet. And so when the enemy would light darts on fire and fire them at you, that leather would extinguish the darts. Here's the deal, guys. You know this. I know this. Darts are going to be fired at us. Darts are going to be fired at us. We live in a world of darkness. We are going to be attacked. And so he says, take up the shield of faith. And and we talked about this two weeks ago, how God's light changes everything. This shield, uh, I kind of like to think of it not so much as like just one wooden shield, but like a shield generator where you just like push a button, shield generators up, and you're just like covered. God's light covers you. And again, it may not mean that your circumstances are different, but what it does mean is that you have peace in the midst of circumstances. You have hope in the midst of circumstances. You have support and you know the truth that you are loved and you've got a shield of your faith in the midst of circumstances. And and then he continues in Verse 17, you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one and take up the helmet of salvation. And so he says this. I got this when I worked in a factory with auto car parts. He says, take up the helmet of salvation. The truth is, when we put on a helmet, we are protecting our head. We are protecting our minds. And here's the deal about the helmet of salvation. And this is so vital that we understand this. When God looked at you, when God looked at me, he said, you are worthy of me coming to save you. I know you've messed up, but you're so worthy of me paying that eternal price to come save you. And so... We put on this helmet of salvation, and again, we're not only protecting what goes into our hearts, we're protecting what goes into our minds. And we have this incredible, incredible protection. Now, guys, look, we are in a battle. What offensive step have we taken yet? None. We know the truth about ourselves, we're protecting our hearts, we know we have faith. That the light of God changes our perspective and gives us hope in the midst of circumstances. Because let's be honest, a battle is a difficult circumstance. And we know that we are worth saving. Yeah, we're going to mess up. We're going to make some mistakes. But we are so worth saving. And God looks at you and God looks at me and he says, I went to the cross and you were so worth it. Know that. Protect your head against Satan and others who will say you're worth nothing because that's not, that couldn't be further from the truth. You're not worth nothing. You are worth everything. All right, last thing. Last thing. Check the time. Okay. 
Last thing. Take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I brought this doozy with me. Because when I was in high school, the very first, first, episode one of Star Wars came out. So my friend and I, on a CIY trip, each bought a lightsaber, and we did epic lightsaber duels together all week long. Here's the thing about the sword of the Spirit. The thing about the sword of the Spirit is, in the original Greek context, the sword was never meant to be offensive. You see, I, I have preached this sermon. I have heard this sermon preached where I'm like, all right, you take up the sword of the Spirit. You go charging into battle. And you, like, that's the offensive right there, right? Like, you're slashing people down. You're dicing people up. You are cutting off heads. You're taking names. You are, you are going to battle for God. But here's the deal. In the original Greek, it was never intended to be like that. In the original Greek, the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, was always defensive. It always deflected. And it it goes back to the temptation of Jesus, where Jesus used the Word of God. When Satan would come and say, hey, if, if you're so great, do this, Jesus used the Word of God to just deflect. It wasn't offensive. He didn't go attacking anybody. He just deflected. No. Here's what the Word of God says I know. I know the truth. Nope. I'm going to deflect here. I know who I was created to be. I know what my purpose is. And see, guys, when we have the freedom of the belt, we know who we're supposed to be. When we've protected our hearts in righteousness and we've protected the core of who we are, when we have the light of Jesus as our shield that's giving us hope in the midst of whatever circumstances we face, when we know we were created and we are worthy of salvation, then we pick up God's word and we can say, all right, no, I know the truth, deflect. I know who I am, deflect. I know who I was created to be, deflect, deflect, deflect. But we never go on the offensive against other people. Because the truth is, they were created to be loved. They were created to be saved. They are worthy of Jesus' blood. And so often, we miss the message of God when we strike. And so we are called, if we want to endure this battle, this battle of light and darkness, it's always about looking at ourselves. It's always about knowing the truth. It's always about protecting our hearts. It's always about knowing our value. It's always about being prepared. And it's about using God's word not as a weapon, not as something that's going to stick it to people or put people in their place, but as a deflection to say, you can come at me, but I know my own value, and I know your value, and I know that you are loved. You are worthy of being saved. And we just deflect, deflect, deflect. We endure this battle by looking inward and knowing what God says 
about us. And so here's my practical challenge this morning. It's simply this. Which of these pieces of armor do you need to work on? Maybe you need to know the truth about yourself a little bit more. Know who you are, who you were created to be, who God says you are. And you need to put on the belt of truth and you need to give yourself some freedom so that you're not worried about what they say or what they say or, or what people are trying to conform you to be, but you know the truth about who you are. Maybe you need to protect your heart a little bit more and you've got some stuff in your life that really doesn't need to be there. And you need to take some steps to free yourself of that stuff and protect your heart in righteousness. Maybe you use... Uh, uh, the, the, the gospel um, as a weapon and we just need, you need to work on using it in peace and recognizing and looking at your enemies and, and saying to yourself God loves them God called me to pray for them and be with them and to, to encourage them maybe you need to, to work on your faith And gather around you people that are like-minded in your faith. Maybe you need to protect your mind and know that you were created for salvation. You need to put people around you that are going to encourage you and tell you how worthy you are and how incredible you are and how awesome you are. And maybe you just need to work on God's word, not as a weapon, but as a defense where you are deflecting. This week, I want to encourage you to pick one of those. I want to encourage you to talk to someone, a trusted adult or a friend, about the area of God's armor that you are going to work on and ask them for help. Let me pray and the band can come on up. God, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you, God, for uh, your armor. God, I thank you uh, that you have created us with worth and value And um, God, I pray that we would go and we would live that worth and that value out. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.